Good morning. Grace and peace to you. From time to time, we need to go back to the basics, the fundamentals, to refresh uh, those of us who are more mature in the faith, as we would say, in our walk with Christ. And then also for those who are the babes to understand some things. Last week was a pretty basic lesson on authority. And today we're going to talk about faith. What is faith? Uh, A question that uh, we would say the theologians and the scholars have discussed and talked about for the ages, over the centuries. Uh, And perhaps you've thought about it. I hope you have. Why do we ask the question? Because the Bible insists again and again that we must have faith to be saved, faith in Christ, to live the Christian life and to be pleasing to God. And if we don't know what faith is, how do we know that we have it? Right? In Romans 10, and you know, faith comes to life and grows by the word of God. Everybody likes to go there, and of course it's, it's a good scripture, but it's really where this all starts. Uh, Romans 10, 16, actually. However, they did not all heed the good news, and Paul's talking there about those being sent to hear the, the good news, the blessings of the gospel. They did not all heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Uh, Some translations here have the word of God, the gospel, the word of the Lord, and so forth. Um, And God's word has come, uh, if you're familiar with the scriptures, and most of you are, to man in various ways over the centuries. Uh, sometimes God spoke directly. He came down on Mount Sinai. Sometimes it was through an angel. Sometimes he gave the word to a prophet, and the prophet gave the word to the people. Uh, in Hebrews, uh, in the first chapter, it talks about he has now spoken in these last days by his son, Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh among us, became one of us, and you know the word become flesh, and there he was teaching and living that word uh, that we need to have so that we might have faith. As is indicated here, not everyone who hears the word of God or the word of Christ comes to have faith. It just doesn't happen. He says, Lord, who has believed our report? Not everybody does. The word must be processed in the mind. It must be understood, taken into the heart and into the soul for faith to sprout. Uh, And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the parable of the sower, where the sower sowed the seed on various soils. And some it didn't grow at all, and some it grew quickly, and then it dissipated and was uh, died off and so forth. You remember the story from... Uh, Matthew chapter 13, the parable. And so, uh, you know, that the word of God must take root in that heart, 
and grow for true faith to blossom and to bring forth fruit. So what is faith? Uh, it's a very fundamental thing as far as we're, uh, our walk with God, as we've said. Uh, and it's more, as we're going to see, it's more than believing. It's more than believing something. Believing is part of it, but it's much more than simply believing something. Uh, so many people like to go to John 3.16, you know, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Say, look there, that's all i got to do. I just have to believe that, and I'm saved. But we understand that the rest of Scripture talks about much, much more than simply believing that. That isn't faith. I think as we're going to see we're going to be in Hebrews uh, chapters 10 and 11 this morning. And as I was preparing this lesson, I was reflecting on the book of Hebrews. That whole letter is really a letter about faith. If you'll study it out and read about it. Uh, it's just very, uh, very amazing how much of that has to do with faith and uh, our response to God's word. Also, if you want, in your personal study, besides Hebrews, you can go to Romans. Although there, Paul, more talking about faith versus works, as far as salvation goes, or the book of James. But we're not going to touch on those this morning. So let's go to Hebrews 10, and we're going to start in verse 32. And maybe you think this is an odd place to start, but... Like I said, the book of Hebrews is all about faith. It really is. And about the work of Christ and our believing in what he did. Hebrews 10.32 But remember the former days when after being enlightened you endured a great conflict of sufferings. Now let's set this up as we would say. What's under discussion here? Uh, this book is written to Christians who are of Hebrew background, okay? And because they had become Christians and they had, because of that, they had started to endure persecutions because of their faith, okay? As we're going to see, well, let's read the next verse. Partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. They had been going through this. And at th that time, well, some of them, of course, didn't like, didn't want that. I don't know anybody really likes it, but they didn't want the persecution. And so they're thinking, we can avoid this persecution. We'll just go back to just being Hebrews or Jews, and we'll be okay. All right, we can turn away from Jesus. Go, just go back to being Hebrews. We'll still be believers in, in the Lord God, and everything will be all right. And the writer is saying, no, that doesn't work. You can't do that. And that's one of the big things of the whole letter is to prove and show the law of Moses doesn't work. It's been replaced by the law of Christ. The old covenant has been replaced by the new, 
and you can't go back under it. All right, so that's the discussion here. And they've been feeling this. Verse 34. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure, seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. So he's reminding them of how much they've already suffered because of their faith in Christ and in the name of Christ. And it says, don't throw away your confidence, okay? Your confidence that you have in Christ. And I'm kind of reading that as a kind of faith here. You've had confidence in Christ and truly confidence or trust is a part of faith. That we trust God. We trust what he said. We trust he will fulfill his promises. If we didn't trust what God said, you know, it starts with believing what he said and then putting our trust in that, what's the point? If we don't think he's going to follow through with what he said he's going to do. So he, the writer says, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Okay, and we're going to see as we're going to get into chapter 11 that that also is an element of faith. That we are trusting that God is going to reward us for our being faithful and for our serving him. We are looking forward to that reward beyond this life. That's why he's saying, you're willing to let them seize your property and you know, throw you in jail and so forth and so on because you have a great reward coming greater than anything in this life. You believe that, you're trusting God's word that that is exactly what's going to happen. And so he says, don't throw that away. So he says at this point, you have need of endurance to persevere through all of this tribulation. When you've done the will of God, you receive the reward. You can go to Romans chapter 5 and read there about faith and being tested and about producing endurance and character and so forth. It all fits together. And then he encourages them, if you will, verse 37 is like a hang in there, as we like to say, hanging in there. A little while he is coming will come and will not delay. Uh, don't know whether uh, he's talking there about the second coming. Obviously, it didn't happen yet. Whether he's going to come to rescue them or whether he'll come to take them home, which is quite a wonderful alternative if you think about it, to be with the Lord. So he's encouraging them to keep the faith. Verse 38. And he goes on to say, But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. So faith here is a characteristic of the righteous person. Okay? Right? 
A righteous person in God's eyes is not simply someone who is morally good. A righteous person is someone who has faith in God as well and will walk with God. Certainly it's true that eternal life comes through faith in Christ. We already talked about John 3.16 there. But I think in the context here he's not talking about salvation. He is talking about how one conducts his life. That you will live by faith in Christ. That faith in Christ will drive the way you live your life. Because that's what's under discussion here, isn't it? It's about persevering through the tribulation and the troubles in order to receive the reward. So he says, my righteous one will live by faith. He will continue to believe the promises and the word of God and that will drive his life to endure and to stay faithful to God. Because, as he says, we are not of those who shrink back to destruction. In other words, deny our faith. And then in this case, it was to go back, try to go back under the law of Moses and renounce Christ. He says, we're not of those people. That's not a man of faith. That's not a righteous man. That's not one who lives by faith, somebody who turns back. But we uh, persevere. They have faith to the preserving of the soul. So I got this half of a tongue twister here for you to write down. Faith produces the power to persevere through the persecutions. And that's what it does. Eleven one. Now here is usually where people start out with lessons on faith. But again, these chapter divisions were put in there by human beings and they're not necessarily always in a good place. Because he's already introduced the concept of faith, hasn't he? My righteous one shall live by faith. That we are those who have faith the preserving of the soul. Now he's going to talk about faith and he's going to talk about a lot of people that have faith, have had faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gained approval. Some try to mold this into a definition of faith, but it's really not, Okay. It's like showing you some characteristics of faith. Uh, and I tried to think of one that might fit, and it, you know, we can talk about grass. All right? Grass is green. Grass is alive. Grass is uh, food. Grass is seed producing. You know, there's all kind of characteristics for grass or any other thing you want to think about. Well, he's just picking out a couple of things here to say in his discussion that what faith does, all right, it's an assurance of things hoped for. Now, some other translations there have substance of things hoped for. See, faith is very complex and multifaceted. Uh, there, there's much to it. 
This is like a, a spiritual substance, a spiritual assurance uh, to know that things hoped for, like he had just been talking about, you'll receive a reward, that that will actually happen. And it goes beyond just believing. Like, I appreciate the words in that one song that Don led for us. It said, we know. We know. Faith goes beyond just believing something. Sometimes when we say, uh, I, yeah, I believe this, you know, I believe Jesus rose from the dead, I believe there is a God, uh, I believe the, that there is a heaven, and I believe there is a hell. Sometimes I think what we're really saying is that I think there is a God. I think Jesus was raised from the dead, yeah, I think this, and I think that. But that's not the belief we need, and that's not faith. Faith understands and knows what they can't see. What it can't see. I know it. It's guaranteed. It's for sure. I've never seen it, but I know it's true. It's not just, I think it's true. There's a big difference. And then he talks about uh, the conviction of things not seen. Conviction or evidence. Some translations here have evidence. Again, this is a spiritual evidence, a spiritual conviction. Something I've not seen, I know it exists. Why? Because of faith and I believe what the Word of God says. I know there's a God. It's not just, I believe there's a God. I know there is, by faith. It's a much stronger position, and that's why it can drive your life and lead you where God wants you to go. Because if it's just an I think so, or yeah, I believe there is, that's kind of wavering. And you can easily be knocked off the mark and knocked off the path doing things or not doing what God wants you to do. Verse 3. By faith, and here's one of the things he's going to talk about, uh, not things not seen, things that happen. We understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Now, I want you to notice the word he uses there. He doesn't say, by faith we believe. He says, by faith we understand it. We know it. That the worlds were framed by things which were not seen. By the word of God. That's a certainty. That's what he's talking about in one. That's an assurance. That is a conviction that I know this. Because God said so in his word. There's a difference. Faith says, I know. You know, I haven't seen it. I haven't tasted it. I haven't touched it. 
I haven't hugged it, but I know it's there. I know it for sure. That's faith. Verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained this testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Remember the story of Cain and Abel way back, the sons of Adam and Eve? And evidently God wanted them to bring a sacrifice, and it would appear that he must have given them some instruction, and uh, I'm not going to get into all the details of that or what they might be. There's discussion on that. But Cain's sacrifice was not acceptable to God, and Abel's was. And all we can say is that Abel must have listened to what God said about the sacrifice, and Cain did not listen, all right? Because it says, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice, okay? By faith. And faith comes by what? Back to Hebrew or Romans 10. By hearing the word of God. Okay? So God had given them some guidelines on the sacrifice to offer to them. Abel evidently followed those guidelines and Cain did not. And so Cain's sacrifice was rejected. Notice then what it says about Abel. says it makes him or declares him to be righteous, doesn't it? It wasn't about his being a good man, although I'm sure he was a good man, but because by faith he offered a better sacrifice. His life was directed and guided by faith in offering that sacrifice. He lived by faith because he listened to the word of God. And that takes us back to verse 38 of chapter 10. My righteous one shall live by faith. That's exactly what Abel did. He listened to the word of God and he brought the correct kind or size or type of sacrifice to God. He was declared righteous. And then as he says, that still speaks to us today, even though he's dead and gone that he lived by faith, and we should follow that example. Verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken up so he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Enoch's an interesting study. He was the great-grandfather to Noah. We've been talking about Noah here on Wednesday night. And uh, we would have to say, if you remember what happened in the days of Noah, mankind was seen to be by God as evil continually, and so that's why God wanted to get rid of the human race at that point. But being the great-grandfather to Noah, we know that that evil was already showing its head in the world, wasn't it? Had to have been in those generations. But Enoch was not participating you know, he was, uh, he was different. He was being, as it says, pleasing to God, and he walked with God. It's interesting, uh, 
I was trying to think about this. In the book of Jude, Jude refers to a prophecy that Enoch made about ungodly people and God coming to punish the ungodly. And I was thinking that other than God himself, who made prophecy in Genesis uh, earlier, Enoch was probably the first prophet. I'm just putting that out there. If anybody wants to, if you find you know somebody before that, please let me know. But Enoch may well have been the very first prophet of God that got the word of God and presented it out there to the people. Here with Enoch, I see faith working in two ways. He lived by faith, obviously, because he, uh, he walked with God. We read about that in Genesis, and God just, just took him. And that again takes us back to verse 38 of chapter 10. My righteous one shall live by faith. All right? So he was pleasing to God. Uh, verse 39 talks about... Uh, or in verse, the second part of 38, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Well, God had pleasure in Enoch. It said he pleased God. So he lived by faith, and he walked by faith. Whatever God was, however God was directing him, teaching him, telling him how to live, he was listening, and he was listening really closely, I think. Really closely in obeying the word of God because then the second part of it, it says, by faith, he was taken up. And I think that had to do with that very moment, okay? When God, whatever, it, as we read back in Genesis, he was only 300 and some years old, you know. Well, 300, I like to be 300, right? But in those days, they were in the 900s. But some ripe old age of 300 and something, God gets with Enoch and says, hey, why don't you just come on and be with me now? And it says by faith he was taken up, doesn't it? It doesn't say he was taken up because of his faith. It says by faith he was taken up. So I think here's another encounter, God with Enoch, and Enoch says, like, you can do that? And God says, yeah, you want to go? And Enoch says, sure. And he did it because he believed God, that God could do that. Now, that's the way I read that. Maybe you don't read that exactly the same way, but... By faith he was taken up and he, yeah, God, God took him up because he walked by faith and he was pleasing to God, but there came that moment, let's go. And Enoch says, all right, let's do it. What a moment that must have been. Verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please him. Notice that idea of pleasing God. We've already seen that clear back in chapter 10, haven't we? Paul wrote in one place, he said, I always try to do the things that please him. That's one of the driving forces of the man or woman of faith. I want to please God with my life. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. This is almost more definition of faith than verse 1. We've got three different elements here. And I'm not saying this is the end of it or the extent of it. But again, understanding why the question, what is faith? Because it's impossible to please God if we don't have it. So I want to know what it is, right? So I can be pleasing to God. Okay. So the first thing here, we must believe that God exists. He who comes to God, all right, there's this approaching God, wanting to know God, wanting to serve God, however you read that. He who comes to God, first of all, you must believe that he is, all right? And we've talked about this belief idea. We must know that he exists, all right? It can't be, I think he's up there, so I'll just do this with my life because I think there's a God. And if there's not, well, then, you know, what's the big deal? Well, if we just think there's a God, our service to God is going to be pretty wishy-washy. I don't care who you are. Because you're just going to kind of play at following God. But if you know there's a God, that's different. And that's what this is about. You must believe that he is, that he exists, that he is there, that he's eternal, and he's been there from the beginning. And what else? That he's a rewarder of those who seek him. All right, let's look at the last part of that, first of all, who seek him. That's part of faith. That's part of what we've been talking about, all these people listening to the word of God and doing what he says and be pleasing to him. We are seeking God. We are seeking to please God. We are seeking to serve God. We are seeking to know God. That's an action. That's an involvement with our lives. That's our doing something to know God. That's part of faith. Faith moves us to do things. And then, as it says, he is a rewarder of those. We've already seen that back in chapter 10, right? To persevere to the end, there's a reward. We believe that. God is not selfish. God is not stingy. God is not just doing this for his own gratification and for his own ego. He says, I'm I'm giving you something. I'm giving you life eternal. I'm giving you opportunity. I'm giving you a future. And we've discussed about what all that new heavens and a new earth might mean. But there's a reward there. We've talked about crowns and so forth. It's there. If we don't believe that, we don't have faith in the word that God will do that, it doesn't mean anything to us, you see. We'd rather have something here in this life than this in the future if we don't really know that God will do that. So that's a great verse to go to to look at faith. Now we're going to wrap it up. Hebrews 11, 7 through 38. No, we're not going to read it all. You can read that this afternoon. 
So now he goes on to talk about men and women who live by faith, more and more and more of them, okay? And you can look at the individual situations. It must be important because he goes to great lengths to talk about them, right? By faith, you know, just look. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, went out. By faith, uh, Sarah received the ability to conceive. Uh, by faith, Abraham was he offered up Isaac. Uh, Joseph uh, gave orders to take my bones back to, uh, to the promised land. Moses made a choice by faith, to, not to stay in Egypt, but to be, uh, to be part of his own people, and so forth and so on. Rahab hid the spies. Notice, somehow they had all heard about God, they heard the word of God, and they did something. They did something. That's one of the main things we're talking about here, that faith moved them to do something different in their lives, to move closer to God, to obey God, whatever their situation was and needed to be done, their faith moved them to do it. That's part of faith. That is faith. So when we think about faith, it's not so much that we want to find a definition for faith, but we want to see a picture of faith. Okay? Yeah, we can study about it, some of these things we discussed. But we want to see a man or a woman of faith, and that's why these are all presented here for us. That's faith, you see. That's faith. People gave up everything. Look, look at the, toward the end of that chapter. Uh, verse 33, by faith they conquered kingdoms, acts of righteousness, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire. All that's good stuff. Received back their dead by, uh, by resurrection, accepted release. Uh, others were tortured, but not accepting their release, so they might obtain a better resurrection. Mocking, scourging, change, imprisonment, stone. By faith. Why? Because they knew there was something better. They knew their God's word, and they weren't going to back down. You see, that's a picture of faith. Whatever else all goes into that, that's faith. So we need that picture. Let's look at verse 39 as we wrap up. And all these, all these he's been talking about, whether they were named or not, having gained approval through their faith, they were pleasing to God, did not receive what was promised. All right? They died. They didn't get it. Not yet. They're going to get it. Because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect or complete. And of course, what was provided for us, or is still provided for us today, is the gift of Christ Jesus. All those people there that he is discussing in Hebrews are all before Christ. Okay? They are. But now we have a more sure person to believe in, a more sure word to believe in Christ Jesus. Starting out in Hebrews 11, the first few verses, 
In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. He came, God in the flesh. And so we ask this morning, do you have faith? Do I have faith? Maybe your faith has been kind of wishy-washy. And just a maybe, I think so, and I'll just kind of do this, but sit on the fence a little bit. If that's the case, you really need to think about your faith and find some real faith. If you'd like for us to pray with you about that, we can do that this morning. If you are not a Christian and you have faith in Christ Jesus, you're wanting that, you're wanting to draw near to God, you're seeking Him, we can assist you with that if you're ready to step across that line, if you will, by faith and become a Christian, to accept that word as truth, the truth of God. We're ready to help you with that, to be baptized into Christ Jesus. Brother Don, would you lead us, please?